Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Greetings to this edition of the Nonprofit Exchange. Each week, we review techniques, strategies, skills, culture development. We review all those things that are missing in the organizations that we lead. And we bring in people who are successful in business and they share their business strategies, their business skills, their framework for what they do. And they have a specific area of expertise. So Russell and I co-host this each week and we encourage leaders and charities of all kinds to install sound business principles into the organization that they lead. So Russell, welcome. Happy Tuesday. Welcome again, everybody. It's good to be here. Thank you, Juliet, for joining us. It's a beautiful sunny day in Denver, Colorado, and we're finally north of 30 degrees. Oh my, I'm in, uh, I'm in Virginia, the south central part of Virginia, and we're in the mid-60s. It's top-down weather from the convertible. And our guest today, as you um, already let out of the bag, is Juliet Clark. And Juliet, uh, where are you coming in from? I am coming in from Draper, Utah, where we actually broke 30 today as well. It's sunny. The snow is thawing. But more snow tomorrow from what I hear. So, Your company is Superband Publishing, but there's also this, this Winslow Media Group. And I'll let you talk about your background. Basically. What's the background that, that's given you the expertise to talk about what you're going to talk about today? The title of, of what we're talking about is how community building and assessment marketing helped you build relationships. And at the bottom of leadership, at the bottom of communication, at the bottom of attracting funding would be relationships. So Juliet, welcome and tell us a, a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you for having me on, Russell and Hugh. Um, I actually started out in the traditional publishing world and went on to advertising, worked at Shia Day on the Nissan account, and then moved on to Mattel to work on some of their products. And um, around 2008, I decided to write my first book. And I thought it would be a no-brainer getting it published. Self-publishing was brand new. And um, I went out and took my fiction novel, which, by the way, I'll tell you guys a little secret. I uh, was going through a divorce. And um, I wrote a mystery novel, and I killed my ex-husband. So I was very anxious to get that uh, published because it was either that or wear felony orange for the rest of my life and you know I am blonde so not my color so to move on from there um, I published my first book and I found um, a lot of inadequacies in the uh, self-publishing world things that I thought were super unethical and I created my own publishing company so that's where my expertise began and uh, by my third book, I had built my own platform and uh, sold over 25,000 copies of that one. I was out of family members to kill, so that sold a lot more than my previous novels. And um, so I moved on from there. And um, after that happened, my friends came and you know wanted me to help them build their platforms. 
And the company just morphed throughout the years. We were, we were noticing entrepreneurs were writing books. And when they brought them to us, we, we got a sense right away that this was not going to be the breakthrough product that the writing coaches had told them it would be. It was probably going to be another in a long line of failed products because they didn't have a platform. So that's where we are today. We have Winsome Media Group where we focus primarily on building platforms for companies, coaches, authors, speakers, small businesses, and um, super brand publishing where if you are really, really serious about that book needs to be um, a bestseller, uh, we go back and we build uh, ROI on those failed products and services that you've had in the past and position that book as the icing on the cake instead of the main event. So um, we're kind of a fix-it crew that goes back and fixes all that other stuff that wasn't done correctly and starts bringing ROI into your business. So if I had to sum it up, I would say we are a marketing company disguised as a publishing company for the most part. Well, that's key. And, and to, to wrap around the relevance for the charities, it's that um, we don't know how to build this engagement model that you're talking about that is so important, building relationships. Before I go farther, would you um, describe what you mean by platform? Yes. So a platform is where you build your audience, your fan base. And in, in the fiction world, it was a little bit harder because you had characters that you had to build that around. In the nonfiction world, it is building those people who are engaged in your business. And so I think there was a, there's a big gap out there between the digital world and the old networking ways that we used to work. And there are, there are people who are my age, you know, probably 45 and older, not that I'm 45, but I will just pretend I'm down there, um, that they are really experts at being able to build relationships one-on-one. -on -one. That's what we grew up with. But they don't know how to bring in that digital space that they need. So we teach them how to build relationships online because... Uh, you can't sell online unless you have relationships built. People don't know you like you and trust you. And we have this other group out here who are the younger generation who are really invested in that digital platform, but they're not really great at building one-on-one -on -one relationships the way our generation is. So we bring all of that together. We combine that personal and that digital to actually build relationships with people before you sell to them online. That's really amazing. I, I see, I have a large, I think it's large, 250,000 in various platforms following on, on mostly on, on um, Twitter. I've got, I'm grabbing a large, fast-growing platform on LinkedIn, but um, Facebook is sort of my least favorite. That's your most favorite. But, but all in all, social media is, in fact, social. And I'm amazed at how many people don't treat it. It's, hey, I'm George, buy my stuff. And so it's, it's really disappointing to get those things all the time. I would say 95% of what I get has this very awkward, um, has this awkward approach. It's like me inviting a girl out and say, Hey, let's kiss first, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's so, wait a minute, <clears throat> why should I kiss you? Um, so there's, there's this building uh, a trusted relationship before people even want to consider anything that you've got. So let's talk about the two pillars that were in the title. One is building a community.
talk about the context of what that means and why is that important. And the other piece is the assessment piece. So can you talk about those, describe them, and then talk about why they're important? Absolutely. So um, community building has recently become even more important than it was in the past. Um, it used to be that you opened your business or your book page or whatever it was, you went over and you opened a business page on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And because um, social media, and this is a very important point, social media is not yours. It belongs to the person who owns the platform, which means for Facebook, I may have several pages and communities, but they don't belong to me. They belong to Mark Zuckerberg. And at the end of the day, that's his monetization platform. So now all of a sudden business pages have become obsolete because he wants to monetize and he's that, you know, that's, that's capitalism. Um, so he has lowered visibility on those pages down to about four to 7% of the content that you produce people actually see. So inside of a community, which is a group on Facebook, um, people see 100% of what's in there. So 100% of what you post to 100% of the people who are in that community. Now where the assessment marketing comes in is that um, once you have a community, and, and this is kind of the, the old thinking of it, is that you build this community, you draw people in with Facebook ads, you draw people in, um, you actually just put people in to that group. Um, and then, then you find out what they want afterwards. The way that we do it is completely different because we use the assessment marketing to make sure that we have our ideal client, our target market in that group. And that's how we use the assessment is finding out what is it, where are their skill levels at? Um, what kind of content do they need that will be valuable to them and create value, I'm creating value for them? Um, what what uh, skill level are they at? We use micro commitments within those. So we find out, are we speaking to beginners? Are we speaking to seasoned experts who would like to, you know, bump up where they're at in the world? So we use that assessment marketing to create the engagement within the group. What questions do we ask them? How do we keep this going? How do we, um, what kind of content do they need to begin building trust with me? So that's why we like to use those two together to make sure that we have not just a big group of people in there, because I think that's all about ego, but the right people in there that we actually can serve. Be careful that ego thing. You got three males on the on the line here. <sighs> I don't get it. I don't get a flavor that you're really egocentric men. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so let's let's frame this in in a couple of subsections. So we're talking to charities. Um, who don't commonly publish a book, but you know, let's rethink that. They, um, they really don't tell their story. So there's another whole track that maybe they haven't thought of and they could even get a sponsor to put their name on it and pay for the whole thing. So there's, there's that track, but there's also the track of, um, of building the, the platform so that we have people in community, which is people's uh, together with a common philosophy, a common passion, um, you know, things like that. So the community is where people actually relate to and talk to each other. And the most important thing I believe in the on, uh, online community isn't content. It's, it's relationship. Would you agree or disagree? Uh, I think that's the most important thing, but content plays a big part of that because, um, in order to be able to show people your expertise, you need to be able to communicate value to them. 
And that's, I think, where the content really comes in. I like to, I like to liken it to uh, when you have a book. There's that concept that most writers don't get, which is show, not tell. A community does the same thing through content. You're showing people that you are really an expert at what you do. You're showing them value instead of saying, oh, hey, me over here, I'm a great guru. Buy from me. So you are laying out the trust factor there. People are getting to know you. You're giving them actual ti actionable tips so that they see that you really know what you're doing and you're creating that value from them. And when they're ready, the assessment marketing can drive them easily into uh, you know, a strategy session or you know, more nurturing. So it's really sort of a nurturing sequence. Um, I like to liken it to dating, sort of like you did. If I go out on a date with you and you say, you know, first date, Juliet, will you marry me? Um, it feels a little icky. Not that I would feel icky to you, but you get it. Um, but um, I'm like looking around to see where the bathroom is and where that's positioned to the back door so I can call a cab and sneak out of there because it was too much too soon and it feels really icky. So that's what all of this is about is just that I'm showing you that I have value and nurturing you. Well, and let's bring this back to the, um, this is, these are really sound business principles for marketing. And this is an area that, that charities are blind to, marketing, and creating relationships. And people who buy are donors, people who buy are sponsors, people who buy are grant makers, people who buy are board members who, who donate, but they, they give their time, people who buy are volunteers. And so we take it for granted that people just want to show up because we have a passion. And so being able to communicate a message, build a relationship and show people why it's important. I think it's a, it's a missing skill set. Uh, what do you think about that repositioning of what you said? Uh, I think it absolutely is as well. And a lot of people don't do it because it's time consuming. It's, um, it takes a lot to communicate, to sit down and, you know, write something up or do a video. So I think it's definitely something that's missing. The more that you can communicate with that crowd, the donor crowd, when you can show them video, when you can, you can um, speak to, you know, what the needs are, um, the better you're able to bring those people in. Because just you and me having a conversation, you may be passionate about it, but I'm going to forget about that passion 10 minutes later. So the passion needs to be internalized with uh, whoever we're talking to. It needs to be presented in a way they'll remember. For some, some, for some people, that's visual. For some people, that is, you know, reading about it. But yes, something that they can go back and digest later as well. You mentioned uh, a book. I actually did a really great book for, um, called Blue Laguna for uh, Project O, which is a nonprofit. And um, they sell that book and it's something that you take home and you put it on your coffee table and it's, you know, people join people. We sold the book out because people were just so enthralled by, yes, I need to have that passion for cleaning up the ocean. Look at these beautiful animals. So, you know, things like that where people have a real takeaway and get a real sense of um, how willing you're, how far you're willing to go with your passion. Well, I just know so many charities that have such good stories and they never tell them except in little circles. And this, this whole idea of why don't we do a book? And I'm sure you have ways to help people take the ideas and put them on paper, but I'm, I'm going to call on my colleague there in the, in the pink shirt, the good looking guy with the, 
he says the perfect head. I think I got hair, so I don't, we have to debate that. But uh, I think I think it takes a real man to wear pink, don't you, Juliet? I love it when men wear pink. And we're we're of course um, recording this for the podcast, and people can't see us, but they can only imagine what Russell looks like wearing pink. So, Russell, you you and and a number of these sessions have have uh, made a really good point about when we're approaching board members or donors or sponsors to find out what they're interested in. So what kind of thread do you see in that coming from what Juliet's talking about in building the community, building a platform and engaging people in a meaningful conversation? Well, it's just like, it's just like any verbal language. Everybody's got their language and you pointed out those five personas that are actually customers of ours. And so in, in, the, in the material that I put together for people, I have a customer profile that just is turned up in both of my courses, but you have to have a, a separate one for each group that you're talking to. And we've got technology that we're beholden to. You need the technology, but the old relationship building process and skills are still relevant and still important. You have to take time to nurture those relationships on one hand. On the other hand, you've got to be where all the people that you want to reach are. So that kind of puts you in a space where you have to sort of embrace a little bit of everything. And that's, uh, that's what building the community is about. Uh, I talked with uh, Rick Feeney, another publisher at one point about uh, having a nonprofit write a book because it, it's, it's something for them to tell their story with. But Juliet has actually worked with some nonprofits. And uh, when you approach a nonprofit or you talk with an organization, what's the biggest hurdle that you've seen charities have to overcome to uh, embrace this idea of, of, of building a community? Oh, that's a great question. Um, a lot of times it's the organization within the nonprofit. There's a lot of, well, who's going to run this? We're, we're, th we're spread th so thin. Um, do we really have time to do the assessments? Do we have the avenue? Do I feel comfortable? Who's going to go out there and ask somebody to go to, you know, platformbuildingbizquiz.com or whatever yours is and say, let's see how this serves you. Let's see where you're at with this. Um, so there's just a lot of resistance behind who's going to do it mostly uh, when it comes to the book <laughs> It's we don't have money. We don't have money to invest in something like this So there or even marketing a lot of times they don't have money to invest in marketing it's usually one or two people who are really passionate about it and the re you know, they're out there trying to spend all their time raising money and the administrative just isn't there to, to facilitate a lot of this would you guys agree? <laughs> well, it's part of, um, we encourage people to move away, even though we call this the nonprofit exchange. It's sort of a, a channel that people understand, but we try to encourage people inside the organizations. So you picked up, uh, Russell used the word charity. It's a tax exempt charity, a social capital organization. We, um, we, we mistakenly go into this nonprofit as a philosophy and not a tax classification. So there, there is a, reset in my, uh, a, re, a resetting of your thinking. And a lot of organizations think they can't afford it when, in fact, they should, they should afford it because it'll make a huge difference in their outcomes. And also, 
I do think there's a channel here if they came up with a really good uh, proposal for what they're doing, why it's important, and what, what the impact's going to be. I think they could find somebody to fund it for them because they think about we can only fund it out of our budget instead of tapping into the people who are passionate about the mission and asking one of them to fund it or a combination of them to fund it or do a crowdfunding uh, campaign around around the initiative. Um, guys, uh, David is, is joining us. David Dunworth, are you in uh, Florida today, sir? Yeah, I'm, I'm in Florida. I had to go to Chicago for a couple of days last week. But, well, you uh, came back to fall out. So uh, you and Russell, um, you're following this, this really neat thread. Um, and coming from an extensive marketing background and knowing charities, what, what question do you have or comment do you have for Juliet? Well, I, I literally don't have any questions, but the comment on the book authorship is something that I have been talking with a couple of nonprofit people that I'm, I'm presently working with that I think is one of the best vehicles to tell their story and unify their message, uh, which not only works internally, but externally as well. And I think it's a great, like you said, uh, Julietta, um, the, uh, the coffee table book or, you know, or whatever you want to call it, it's, it's the world's greatest uh, business card. So, I think that is an idea that really needs to uh, propel itself forward. Great way, to, uh, great way to do things. Yeah, you know, and I didn't mention there, one of the things we did inside the book as well was uh, we had QR codes in there. So you could actually take your phone and click on it and go to video, um, which I think was super powerful as well. I mean, uh, the, the, the author of the book had GoPro video out in the middle of a pot of orcas that he was paddleboarding in and, you know, blue whales and things like that, that just, I, they were astounding. And I think that was a huge part of um, really bringing people in at his, his group has over, um, I, I think last time I checked over a million people over his business page over on Facebook because people really grasp into what he was talking about with the ocean ecology. It's fascinating to try to go backwards and figure out what makes something go viral like that and catch on in a big way. Um, so Juliet, you, um, you spoke about you don't really own the community in Facebook. So why would you do Facebook rather than setting up your own independent community? Well, and, and here's, here's what we do with it, is we really encourage that um, through the assessment marketing, before someone can get the results, they have to give you an email address so that they can get them. So one of the things that we do very well from past experience is we transition as soon as we can people from Facebook into our email list. Because ultimately, our email list is that tool that no one can take away from us. And I would imagine for charities, it's a huge way to build relationships with the donors as well. Look what we're doing, see how we're doing it. So that's one of the first things that we work on with the assessment is being able to have people get it, take it before they come into the group. And um, it's criteria to get into the Facebook community. So we're immediately um, transitioning people so that we can contact them in the event that something does happen and Facebook goes away. All of that came from a really bad experience one of my friends had over on MySpace where she had a, an online newsletter that got over 300,000 hits a month and she was making money from sponsorships and when MySpace went away, she didn't have a list. She lost all those people. 
So that's part of what we do with uh, the Facebook community is have that, you know, that's that group of people there, but we also work very hard to get them into our list as well. Mm -hmm. So when you're reaching out and creating a relationship with people, why Facebook instead of LinkedIn or Twitter? So I've never really thought Twitter is a great relationship building tool. Um, I kind of stay away from it. it to, for me, it's like uh, content curation instead of putting your own out there. And um, it's a little wild. It's a little like being on reality TV some days. So um, I, I stay away from Twitter. Uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is, is primarily used, if you look at the statistics, people jump on. They stay on there for a few minutes. They look at what they need to look at and they get off. Facebook is someplace where a lot of people go to relax. So, you know, they're clicking around, they stay on it a lot longer. It's easier to build relationships and friendships over there than it is uh, on those other platforms. I find it's that people on, on, sorry? It's more social. <laughs> well, it is social on social media. I find that people on Facebook are my B2B contacts and they're serious about the conversations and they're not looking at other things. They're looking for something meaningful. Um, uh, the most important relationships I have are people I met on Twitter, the highest level uh, thought leaders. The editor of my magazine, for, exen for example, met him on Twitter. He's got a PhD in organizational leadership and uh, he's, we've been working together for years and we met just on Twitter and he said, I'm going to come visit you. So we ultimately met in person. So I get a lot of traction on Twitter and you're right. It can be like reality TV and right now it's exploding. And there's this, this weird thing going on in uh, especially Facebook and Twitter in that they're censoring things and deleting accounts. Yeah. And I, I'll have like one day I'll, I'll wake up and there's a hundred Twitter uh, followers gone. It'll, it, it jumps around radically and I can just only figure there, there weren't a hundred people that got up and hated me one day. There's a hundred people that lost their accounts. Um, and I see a lot of censures and I've, I've read things. I don't know anybody that's lost a Facebook account, but I've read things about uh, Facebook doing similar things. So to your, to your point of making sure that you have something you own where you've got those relationships like an email list or, or whatever. Um, so Ru Russell, you're, you're moving around and like, you got a really good, Russell asked the really hard questions if you haven't figured it out yet. So Russell, <laughs> what's brewing in that mind? I was just thinking maybe if I could put some tweets out there to convince people that I'm stable, my following would grow faster on Twitter, but <laughs> are, are you unstable? Unstable? <laughs> But, you know, basically all those communities have a, have a different audience and a different purpose. And uh, I just jumped out there initially because I thought, well, I need to try to be everywhere and understand uh, what these different platforms offer. So I, I try to post stuff in, in all of them. Uh, as far as engagement goes, I probably have a little bit more interactivity on LinkedIn just for myself. But what Juliet's talking about, and it's really important to understand where your tribe is, yes. because the people that you're trying to attract, if you've got a diverse group, uh, age-wise, they're gonna be all over the place. So you may need to use more, fewer, uh, use, um, spend a little bit of time using one platform more than the other 
but the key is in your donor database and that's those, those names and, and that information that you collect. Um, how strong a case uh, uh, do you have to make to get people to actually endeavor to build the list? Because it's all, the money's in the list if they can build a donor database and, and uh, how many people do you run across that don't actually have a list and uh, is it difficult really to make a case for them to do that? That's a great question. Um, we actually put polls inside of our community because we have a platform building community. And um, I do want to mention, uh, in order to get into our community, you have to fill out an assessment and some questions because we don't take everyone. Okay. So you have to have, you have to be our ideal client. And that is such a huge point because if you've got a huge mishmash of people who aren't interested you destroy the energy of your group okay. but um, getting people to build a list is very difficult they don't especially for book people because making a bestseller list has become so difficult um, you can't just have a bunch of sales on Amazon now you need them over several platforms which means you need to be talking to those people in your list before pre-sale and finding out where they read. So um, it, it's really hard to communicate that to people that that list is where all their money's at. And you know, if I send something out to my list, I know what percentage will open and I pretty much can guess what percentage will purchase from there. And um, if you just have a group of you know, 1,300 people on Facebook, and you've got a small list, chances are they're not going to buy there. But if you have a large list, you can start looking at those analytics and figuring out how much you can actually bring in. So it is, it's super important. And we actually do a list purge every year. We, we're about to get ready to do it now where we say, hey, if you're not interested anymore, please unsubscribe yourself. And if we don't hear from you, we will unsubscribe you in 30 days. So um, we like to keep it super clean and make sure it's our ideal client. But it's it's difficult to communicate that to people. Mm. I, I think one of the things that happens to people, I have an email box, I have several accounts. It's almost out of control. You you go and get information, and there are some people that email you to buy things you've already purchased or or uh, and that might be the experience of somebody. Maybe are you running into people that say, "I don't want to be that person that relentlessly emails three times a day, uh, all day, every day"? Uh, is is that a barrier to getting people to to accept the idea of building a list? It, it is in some sense. We, we let people know when they opt in that um, we, we send out a piece of content a week. We, unless we're running a campaign, we usually don't over email our list. Once a week is enough to say, hi, I'm here, I'm providing value without being obnoxious. But you won't find within, when we, we, with what we teach, we don't constantly hammer and hammer for sales. Um, we're, we're building trust and bringing people in through the assessments and actually talking to them one-on-one, -on -one, which is the best way to build a relationship. That's amazing. Uh, oh, sorry. No, I was going to ask you to talk a little bit about the assessment process. And I, I think I've seen some uh, platforms that talk about 
creating assessments, but what are some of the things that you typically want to put in there? How do you, how do you actually uh, talk to people about how to tailor those, how to use them? How do you use them yourself? I know that you talked about uh, making sure you only have the right people in the community. So uh, what's the process for crafting the types of questions that are going to make sure you got the right people there? Well, for us, first of all, we use what's called the Smart Biz Quiz, and I think it's the best tool out there because it does collect the email and it gives you a lot of information. And it also has a commitment section which puts together an autoresponder. So it has its own autoresponder with it. Um, the process we usually go through is what are the things that you need to know most about your consumer? So um, for you, you have five different consumers. You probably would have to go off in different directions with five different assessments. But for platform building, first we want to find out if they know who their audience is. So we go through that with them. On a scale of one to 10, we ask a couple questions. What we find out a lot of times is that they don't even know who their ideal client is. So that may be something that you guys need as well. Then we jump into what are your social media skills? Um, again, several questions. Uh, we usually try to keep it to three to four minutes worth of questions because we don't want people to go away because they're bogged down. From social media, we go into list building. And then our last section is usually about building a funnel because we want to know, you know, I have, do you have a funnel built? Are we starting from scratch? Um, from there, we, so it's basically what do you need to know about your consumer and what is it your consumer needs to know about themselves? Because when you're looking at that, um, I love Jane Duber who created this system, uh, you know, positions it best because she talks about taking the vision, uh, taking the view off of you and putting it on them. Show, let's, let's take the spotlight off me and put it on you and see where you are really at with all this. So the last part of it is a commitment section. And there you put your three biggest objections. And on a scale of one to 10, you ask people to, you know, how do you, how do you, for me, it's time, money, and uh, do I want to fix the problem? So we ask those, those questions, and then based on those answers, the autoresponder will put out an appropriate offer. So on a one to 30 scale in the commitment level, if you come in between 20 and 30, we want to talk to you. We offer you a free strategy session. If you come in between 10 and 20, we have a median range. We offer you an application. And if you fill out that application, then we want to talk to you. If you can't be bothered, you go back in the nurture pile. And then with the zero to 10, we just give you something free because, you know, you're not, you're probably not willing to fix the problem. You're not willing to invest in yourself time or money wise. So um, that's what we look at because we want to be talking to people who are ready to purchase today is really what, what we're doing. So we're delegating our time and we're keeping tabs on where people are at in the process. Did that so, Russell, um, how do you, how do you see that applying to, um, getting donors, getting board members, getting volunteers. Well, that's a great system. I, I've never heard anything. But as you can see, I was just kind of writing furiously. That's just that's just brilliant. That's why I asked how you actually go about it, and that makes perfect sense because right now, it's it's a numbers game, and 
you're better off spending time around the people that are more engaged than trying to convince people and make a case. There's already a tribe out there. Get to the tribe, get to the people who are, are ready. They, they come glass in hand and they say, I want my portion of the Kool-Aid. And, uh, and that's, that's where they're plugged in. Other people you can kind of bring along, but because of the constraints on resources, nonprofit leaders just don't have that kind of time to chase uh, uh, people who may or may not have an affinity. So I think that's really great. Uh, and uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna check out this uh, uh, Smart Biz Quiz tool uh, I looked at another one, and to be honest, I haven't gone back because they take something that's really simple and sort of make it uh, make it sort of a process. <laughs> so, but the important thing is to ask the best questions, and that's uh, it's not the, the people that have all the answers because the questions can change on you. So it's asking the best questions that position you to to be uh, more helpful to folks. Juliet, are you familiar with the book by Ryan Levesque called Ask? Yes, I am. And a lot of this is right out of this. What's interesting is before his book came out, I was already working with Jane Duber's tool because she created it before that book ever came out, I believe. And um, I, what she does is just brilliant with it. Um, it's just, you're always going to have those looky-loos, but you don't want to spend time with those looky-loos. And I think this process really helps with that. Licky lose. Um, so she's not talking about, oops, Russell's still writing. She's not talking about good looking dudes like us, Russell. <laughs> Licky lose. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm coming up with a paradigm shift here. We, um, we chase people. We beg them to come on board. We tell them, oh, there's not much work, and they know we're lying. So turning the tables on this, we're looking for a few, a few skilled volunteers. We're looking for a few committed board members. So, so Russell, we deal with this um, um, low-performing culture. Charity leaders are, are, are reluctant to ask people to do things when the data shows the more you ask of people, the more they're going to do because they, they find a reason to do it and it's connecting to their passion. So, Russell, am I making sense? There's a paradigm shift here as we're – we're saying we're building the board. Here's an assessment. We want to see, uh, check to see if it's a good fit. What, what are you thinking about that? Well, when people write you a check, or even more importantly, they've agreed to roll up their sleeves and spend some time with you, you've got them. They are, they are committed to, to what you're doing. So asking a little bit more of them uh, really just kind of honors their commitment, you know. Uh, if they have time constraints, they're going to be a little bit hesitant. So it makes sense to uh, ask these people who are already supporting you to help ramp up those efforts. And who do you know? Who else do you know that can come in and contribute? Uh, uh, time, talent, or treasure. That's right. So, so we have people show up, and we really haven't segmented them. You know, these are the, the, the tactical people. Here's the visionary people. Here's the introverts. Here's the extroverts. Here's the people that like to do phone follow-up work. Here's people that hate to make phone calls. Um, so sitting down there in Clearwater, Florida, David, um, anything coming to your, your mind about how this assessment can help pre-qualify volunteers, uh, board members, advisors, people like that? 
Well, that's one of the, the, the primary methods is through Juliet's assessment process, you're funneling into the catch basins for where you want your clients to be. I mean, if you're, you're the, the people who are responding into that survey, you're, you're being able to automatically segment them through that sophistication. I listened to a podcast a couple of weeks ago, and it was a marketing expert who was talking about how he restaffed his disc jockey wedding music business to the point where he utilized automation to hire people. And he did precisely what Juliet's just described, is take them through a series of, of assessments and exercises, first of all, to see if they can follow directions. And, you know, it'd be surprising how many people will, you know, read the email and respond when in the email says, just send me the highlights of your career and somebody sends you the full resume. Well, it, things like that. So I see that I see the value in that assessment filter system to utilize across the nonprofit from board positions to volunteers. And those board members who are and, and every every organization has them. Uh, I sat on several boards, and a lot of people would talk to me and say, hey, how do you get on a board? How do you get on a board? I want to get on a board. Well, those are the people that you want to really stay away from because they're looking more or less for something to hang on the on the far end of their, their name as opposed to somebody who wants to uh, share their passion and their gifts and their time with you know, the mission that those things are, that the uh, organization is, is based on. So, yeah, I think, I think that filter system sounds great. Juliet, we've used the word funnel a few times, and there may be people listening that don't understand funnel. It kind of sounds like you're pouring them into a bottle or down the drain. So what, <laughs> how are you meaning putting them into a funnel? Well, it depends on which bucket they went into. Some of them we might pour down the drain. <laughs> yeah. yes. um, when I talk about a funnel, I mean actually having um, a marketing uh, campaign set up. So bringing people in through, I actually use the, the funneling sister or the uh, assessment and the community as the head of my funnel. People that come into there, then we get them into our list. Um, we also have, you know, campaigns that are behind that. So it's just uh, bringing them from social media, well, into our world, into social media, into our list, and then being able to sell them. So you're taking this big crowd, you're talking, it's not, it doesn't actually look like this on the, on the inside. It looks more like a spider web when you do it right. Uh -huh. But taking that big group, let's say you speak in front of a room and you invite people to come over and take your assessment. So there's going to be a certain number of people in the room who will actually do that. The rest will go away. Then from that assessment, you're going to invite people into your community, and they're going to be people that took the assessment that may not want to be a part of your community. Then you get people inside your community and transition to the list, and not all of those people are going to go. But you're getting, you're narrowing and narrowing down from a bigger group who, you know, a little interest, more interest, a lot of interest, we're in. And that's what you're really doing with all that, is giving them baby steps and opportunities to come in. If they take them, great. If they don't, then let's get it down to those people who do want the opportunity. Ryan Levesque makes a point in his book that people don't like to do surveys, but they like to give their opinion. What have you found, what have you found out? 
Um, the way ours is set up, you're not really giving an opinion. <laughs> but um, I, I bet if you had did this for something like politics, everybody has an opinion. So um, I, I think he's right in that sense. But here's the thing that entices them to take the assessment is when you position it in a way to let's find out where your skill level is really at, people are curious about that a lot of times. Like, I wonder if I am as good as I think I am, or I wonder if I'm as bad as I think I am. So um, that's where the curiosity is, is really getting in and finding out more about the, the let's look at you instead of let's look at me. Because when you're, when you're down the line and you're selling something, it makes it much easier to sell whatever you're selling when their defenses are down. If I have to go into a strategy session and say, you know what, your social media isn't up to par, your social media may not be up to par, but your immediate reaction is, no, it's not. And that wall goes up and it makes it more difficult for me to be able to close. When you're able to come into a webinar or a strategy session, or a selling situation, and you already know that you need the help, you're much more open to the suggestion. You're much more open to me telling you that, you know, this is where you're at, and this is where your vision is, and now let's fill that gap. So um, in a lot of ways, it has to be that curiosity about where they are as an individual on the topic. Wow, there's a lot of nuances to this. Um, and, and I've, I've ignored the, um, the primary um, piece that you were talking about, just thinking about how do we engage people as volunteers, board members, um, servant leaders in the organization. But there is um, one of the eight, eight streams of revenue that we teach people how to create is uh, earned income. And it, it is selling um, things that are related to what you're doing, books, uh, selling events, um, doing trainings. There's, there's, there's business streams of earned income that are relevant to what the charity is doing. And so utilizing a lot of these and then the whole idea of telling your story in a book and maybe even having an anthology where you have a whole lot of your, your tribe uh, write a chapter or tell the story so that you've got an anthology which ups the investment. Uh, people are invested in the, in the book so they want to share it moreover but so thinking about um, creating revenue streams by you know there's lots of books we can sell there's lots of programs we could sell we could even sign on for affiliate programs so we we, we teach charities to think about signing up at, at Walmart and get a get a number so when people buy and give your number uh, Walmart takes a percentage and, and donates it to your charity um, the grocery stores have have the cards that they they use to donate to charity so repositioning, you know, we talked about how do we interview people for meaningful volunteer work, but going back to creating the book, creating the funnel. Um, so where can people go to learn uh, about what you do and, and how you teach? And do you have webinars or uh, self-studies or is it only working with, with Juliet? Well, we've actually seen a shift in the marketplace where lately where people aren't dying to work on self-studies anymore. So most of our programs are either one-on-one -on -one or group programs. Um, the group program, I work one-on-one -on -one with you and we build your first assessment. We build your community. We build the editorial within it. Um, we can go over to winsomemediagroup.com. Um, there are a couple programs over there. The one that where we actually build the community and the assessment is julietclark.com slash 
R, D is in dog, S is in Sam, M is in Mary, and Juliet is J-U-L-I-E-T, Clark is C-L-A-R-K. So JulietClark.com slash R-D-S-M. You can find out more about that program. R-D, whoops, can't type, S-M. R-D-S-M. And we have a group over on Facebook, a platform building group over there. It's um, platform building. It's actually facebook.com slash groups slash platform builders. Okay, builders on Facebook. So so it's it's facebook.com slash groups slash platform builders. Um, Michael Hyatt has a book on called Platform. He does. And any similarities in what he teaches and what you're teaching? Um, I, th I think if I had done the book back when he did, yes, there would be. But I think there's been so much change that's occurred between when he wrote his first book. I'd love to see him come out with a second book, an updated version. I think there's been such a shift in the marketplace that um, that book is very basic now. Our, our consumer has gotten much more savvy, and so I, I would love to see him write a, a more updated book in that sense. He's got the basics. Yeah, and he's created, um, using that, he created quite a substantial tribe and uh, uh, a large footprint. So we're on the, the final stretch of our interview, and so I'm going to give um, uh, Russell and, and David a chance to ask another question, and then I'll do a wrap with Juliet. So David, Russell, who wants to go first? <laughs> oh, thank you, Russell. Uh, first. <laughs> okay, there's, there's lots there for those that, that were wondering what we're talking about. Uh, the Ask Blueprint. I have not read the book yet, but I came across this. I'd forgotten that I downloaded it, and it's just got remarkable charts in here. But I'm going to go back and take it a step further because this is a wonderful value added product that he just added and didn't charge any uh, money for. So there's lots of information out there, but people don't need more information. They need somebody to help them make more sense of this. So Juliet, I'm gonna go to your community and sign in, join, and learn a little bit more about how you employ these tools, because it's one thing to read it and another thing to see somebody uh, actually take it and apply it. So uh, remarkable stuff. Uh, I love this. And uh, you can never learn too much. And uh, it's really important. So the last question I have on getting nonprofits or anybody in for that matter, because you probably deal with small businesses and other people too. What are probably the three most common objections you have to somebody? embarking on the process? Oh, that's so easy. Um, time, I don't have time to fix the problem uh, because platform building takes time. I don't care what you see out there, six figures in six months, 100,000 in 90 days. It's a process. You don't build a relationship in five minutes and you don't build a platform in five minutes. It is truly an integral process that takes I would say at least a good six months to a year when you build it organically. Um, the second is money. Um, you know, there are a lot of books out there that tell people how to do it, but and 
the biggest problem I see is that people are reading books and by the time they read the books, the, the information's outdated. And now they're trying to bring outdated platform pieces together and integrate them. And um, probably the other objection is I don't need to do it. I will be discovered. <laughs> A lot of people think that it's as easy as, you know, I'm just going to put my stuff out there and some influencer will discover me and I'll be on my way. And um, that's about as likely as the next supermodel being found at age 12 in a mall in Milwaukee. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's so real. Uh, as, as you know, uh, entrepreneurs and most charities just think because they've got something worthy, people will beat a pathway to their door and, and money will fall in their pockets, which is so far from true. There's a whole lot of ditches full of people who didn't make it. They fell off the road. Uh, Sir, Sir David in, in Clearwater. Uh, I, I don't have any, any questions. I'm just sitting here aghast at, and amazed at the process. And like Russell, I'm heading over to your spot to see uh, just how bad I am. <laughs> well, how good you are. Say, position it nicely. Position it positively. <laughs> uh, just uh, trying to pick up on something that you said earlier in the day. So that was, yeah, you're right. I'm looking forward to finding out more about the process. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. We got about three minutes left. So Juliet, I'm going to pause with a, with a, a sponsor message and let you think about what's a closing tip or challenge or point uh, or thought you'd like to leave people with. Our, our sponsor today is Rock Paper Simple. Rock Paper Simple does the branding, does the marketing, creates the web experience. They're the provider for hubaloo.com and centervisionleadership.org which is a online community, by the way, Juliet, which is in revision and will launch in February. So we have our own internal community with content and we call it the community for community builders. So I'm very fascinated by this conversation. So rock, paper, simple. If you go to rockpapersimple.com backslash Hugh, you'll see offers for, for uh, listeners of the podcast. So check them out. It's not just a pretty website. It's an engaged community, and it's a marketing tool, and it's an experience for your tribe. So try out Rock Paper Simple. So let's not make it complicated. Juliet, what, uh, what would you like to leave people with? Start building your community the minute you have the idea, whether it's a book, a product, service. Validate it there before you spend a whole lot of money finding out that it's not valid, that it doesn't have a market, that it doesn't have the purpose you think. And take all of that feedback that that community gives you and figure out a way to make it all work if it's a viable product. Don't do it the other way around. Juliet Clark, thank you so much. Um, this has been priceless information today. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.